Before we start this episode, I want to take a minute to explain the tone of our show. While discussing the following crimes, we might sound flippant and insensitive. These conversations include teenagers who have a very hard time with sincerity. I am using crime stories as a way to start a dialogue with teens about real social issues and concerns. This will occasionally include words and conversations that might offend listeners. I absolutely apologize for this. Welcome to our podcast, because I, I said so. I'm Lee. I'm here with Felicity. Hello. And Austin. Hi. Every week we get together and we tell, I, I tell the kids a true crime story and we look for lessons or warning signs to avoid that sort of thing happening to you. There aren't always. Sometimes it's not anyone's fault. But this is the end of our second season. So we do some, We decided last year at the beginning, at the end of our first season, that we would spend the episode learning no lessons, just talking about a interesting crime because Austin had never heard of Jeffrey Dahmer. So our last episode, our last, our season finale of our first season was us telling Austin the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Now Felicity grew up in my house, so she actually 100% knew who Jeffrey Dahmer was because we talked about him before. So here we are at the end of season two, and we are going to teach Austin, and in this time Felicity too, because I don't think she knows about this person, but another very famous killer. But before we start, I have to issue a warning. Um, all of our episodes are usually okay for kids like over 12 to listen to. 12? You don't think so? I'd uh, say like 13. 13. Okay, okay, so fine, 13. <laughs> Our show's meant for kids 13 and up. But this episode is especially dark, especially graphic. It talks about a lot of really un, um, unsettling. unsettling, very good, unsettling mm. things. Felicity is 15 and Austin's 16, but both of them have spent a lot of time with me. So these aren't really topics that we don't discuss on a daily basis. But if you have a more wholesome house where this sort of topic is not the thing you talk about, you might want to save this one to listen to at home. It's really, really not. A, it, yeah. It's not appropriate for children because today I'm going to tell Felicity and Austin the story of Andre Chikatilo. <laughs> Today we're talking about Andre, Chick Andre Chikatilo, mm -hmm. who is a very well-known serial killer in serial killer circles, but not necessarily that big stateside because he's Russian. So all our stories are taking, this whole story takes place in Russia. Mm -hmm. And you can only imagine the butchery I'm going to do of all of these names. <laughs> so, but before we talk about him, we have to talk about Russia because Andre Chikatilo was born in the Ukraine in September of 1936. Ukraine is where all the people from 90 Day Fiance find somebody. Yes, that's true. It's a popular place to meet someone that's over the internet. That's all I know about marry. Ukraine. But it was not so popular to be born there in 1936 because that was right during Stalin's five-year plan. So oh. do you guys know who Stalin is? Yes. yes. Okay. Do you know what an asshole he was? Yes. Yeah. Good. So it's, I didn't know if young people... Because when I was raised, we weren't really presented with Stalin as asshole so mm -hmm. much as just Stalin he was a dictator and he was in charge of communism but the fact that he was a genocidal maniac yeah. was not taught to us but now it's taught to you guys We're taught he's on par yeah. with Hitler he's up there he's probably worse than Hitler well it's hard to say anybody's worse than Hitler at some point your badness <laughs> is so bad no what you know what I mean like he's I, I don't I don't know that I could say any I can't say Hitler's worse than Stalin or Stalin's worse than Hitler because they're both so saturated with evil there's no worse they, they've reached maximum evil they're awful. So, 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 well, for the people that aren't as versed as, as Stalin, I'm going to explain why he's an ass. Okay. He had this plan for the industrialization of, after World War I, of Russia that involved building up all of its industry and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. To get that money to do that, 
he made all of the farms that used to be just individually owned farms, regular sort of farms, into a collective. <laughs> they were each allowed a certain amount of stuff for themselves, but all of the rest of it needed to be sold with the money that was sold from it going back into the industrialization. So the, he took the, the, the word was it's called kulaks. Again, my Russian is not as great as my French, mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. And he, they were the wealthier peasants. They were forced to turn over their crops. And it was a disaster, honestly. It, it, it's not the way agriculture works. And they were, a lot of them moved to gulags. They were forced to increase production, which didn't really work. And basically what happened is this became a famine. It caused a famine. You mm. had all of the people from the, 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 um, the farms not allowed to use the same farm practices that they've always used having to turn over their grain to the government, leaving nothing for themselves, which would then make people move from the country to the city to get jobs in the industry, mm -hmm. which made there left no one there to do any of the farming. Mm -hmm. And it led to a massive, massive famine. And this famine is 100% an example of a genocide. You know, like there's still some countries that don't consider this genocidal. They think it was just poor land management. But that's wrong. This was a this was a genocide caused by Joseph Stalin. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Let's look at two famous famines. What's the other famous famine? Everybody. The potato knows famine. Felicity, I love you so much. Yes, perfect example. Except I still don't know if that means they had too many potatoes or not enough potatoes. They didn't have enough potatoes. Okay. <laughs> that's all they ate over there. If they ate too, if they had too many potatoes, it wouldn't be a famine. <laughs> so I take back some of my well, fiction. Well, no, but I thought that meant like the potato famine was because they only had potatoes, so they couldn't get like the amount of nutrients that they needed. That was part of the problem, yes. But the actual problem was not having any potatoes. Okay. So let's look at two famous famines. We have the Irish potato famine, and we have the genocidal, rage-induced, crazy man grain famine in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. The difference is this. The Irish potato famine happened because a, a disease got into the potato crops and not wiped out like 98% of the crops. Mm -hmm. So you already had a population that got way too much of their nutrients based on one, one crop. Then you lose that crop. That famine... It wasn't like they started doing different practices or... I mean, the crop was just wiped out by disease and it was already a very shaky sort of existence. Yeah. Also, the difference between the Stalin one is um, it was man-made. He forced them to do things differently. Also, when other countries refused aid, he wouldn't accept it, whereas the Irish potato famine was taking aid. Mm -hmm. But the big thing is he refused to let anybody leave. A lot of Irish Americans, are peop are, um, their ancestors were people that left Ireland in the potato famine just to try to find a new... Uh, yeah i mean they couldn't stay there anymore mm -hmm. ireland never stopped anybody from immigrating and or sorry yeah immigrating whereas stalin refused to let anybody leave he also nobody in stalin confiscated their food he would have people <laughs> go into their houses and take the food they did have that that didn't happen so like the irish potato famine was a terrible situation yeah but you know, it, no one was pulling the strings. This famine was 100% caused by Stalin, who was a genocidal maniac. I hope it's warm down there, Stalin. <laughs> anyway, th we have strong feelings about him. Okay. It was responsible for the death of 12 million people. Oh, my. That's a lot 12 of people. That's a high estimate. Oh. Lower estimates are more like nine. Oh. But, okay, the low estimate of people that were starved by From their the own famine leader. Is only 
Nine what? million from the famine? Just the famine? That famine. That particular one. They think it all Stalin's probably responsible for the deaths of about 20 to 25 million people. Which, I mean, if it's a numbers game, he beat Hitler. Hitler only had like six to nine. Bruh. I'm telling you, once you, once you reach <laughs> evil saturation, okay, it's but bad. But what's, what's worse, starving to death or being put in a gas chamber? <sighs> I don't know. They both sound awful, I guess. If I had to choose gas chamber yeah it's starving faster. to death it takes starving a long to period death of time is awful in fact starving to death was so bad at that time the government put up signs all around ukraine saying mm-hmm. eating your children is a sin because there was so much cannibalism oh my god i know it's awful um so, so is this the podcast about eating your children no it's not oh. i didn't know you guys wanted one so bad That's- well i didn't say i wanted it i was just stating that is somebody who i've heard it Okay. Well, I'll. Well, okay. Maybe we'll do one on him. So into this, to the Ukraine was born Andrei Chikatilo. Mm-hmm. Um, dying people, starvation, right or left. His parents were collective farm laborers. They received no salary, but they were given a small plot of land mm-hmm. that they could keep the vegetables that they grew on it. They're given. Well, like- the government gave them one. Like that's that's how communism works. I mean, this is your plot. This is where you live. This oh, is okay. what you do. And we'll take it. And um, never he never had enough food growing up. He said he never tasted bread till he was 12 years old. His family often, I know, I'm not even talking meat. I'm talking bread. Bread? Yes. That's shocking to me. When they grow. I, I'm assuming they grew vegetables How or something. How does one I don't never know. have Because here's the thing. They grew grain, but they didn't get to keep it. That went to the government. Mm. They lived off the small plot of land they could produce. Mm. So I'm assuming vegetables. He said that oftentimes they ate grass and leaves. <laughs> um, just to have something in their stomachs. His whole life, he was told that he'd had an older brother who was kidnapped when he was four and cannibalized by the neighbors. Oh. And there's some oh. question whether or not that was true. Like there was never like a birth certificate. It could have just been the sort of thing that his parents told him to, because that was a possibility. So it's sort of like... Um, oh, just to tell him like... Yeah, like a warning. Like, you know, you had a brother who was eaten by the neighbors. Don't go outside because kids would get snatched up. It was a horrible... Wait, it was a horrible time. Whoa. People in famines and and in extreme situations don't, you know, who knows what how you're going to react. I'd la- I actually I take that back. There's no way I'm kidnapping a kid and eating them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just it's a but bit much. not everybody's as moral as us, so evidently that was happening. So in World War II comes his which is actually kind of stopped the famine. They needed everybody on board to help fight the Nazis. It was actually not a terrible thing. But mm-hmm. his father enlists. Well, the Nazis invaded the Ukraine. So Andre's life went from famine to now being invaded by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. It was not great. Um, bombings, fires, shootings, people shot on the streets. He and his mother had to hide. They had to watch their own house get burned down. They had to hide in the woods. Um, they were given a basement room to sleep in with one single bed that he and his mom had to share. Okay. Um, he was a chronic bedwetter, and his mother would just oh. beat the crap out of him. <laughs> uh-uh. he would, I know. What did you learn? Felicity did a research paper recently on... Um, the three the- triangles are bedwetting, animal abuse, and fire. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Because for little kids, a chronic bedwetting isn't their fault. Like, it's their bladder. Just, you know, like lots of kids wet the bed. Yeah. They just do. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how many kids who wet the bed... Like it not I'm not gonna say how many kids who wet the bed grow up to be serial killers because that makes it seem like there are a lot. But it's interesting how many like serial killers were kids who wet the wet the bed. Because mm-hmm. you're right, the McDonald triad. I'm so proud of you. Anyway, his mom would just beat the crap out of him when she woke up covered in pee. So in 1943, his mom has a baby girl. 
Now, his dad had been at war the whole time, so it obviously oh. wasn't his dad's kid, but many, many women were being raped by German soldiers. Mm-hmm. There's oh. a strong possibility that that is what happened. He actually probably was in the room when it happened, the little kid, because rape was a, is a huge form of um, like warfare. And in fact, it's happening right now, as we speak right now. In Tigray, Ethiopia, the government is using rape as a form of um, civil to, to, to tap down civil unrest. So as we're doing this podcast in our nice, comfortable living room, mm-hmm. there are women in Ethiopia being raped as part of a civil war. Because when mm. you think about it, it's actually a pretty effective way to like ruin the morale of a country, of a group. So the current situation in, in, in Tigray is they've had like a... It's a civil war, so they've had a group that's been in charge of the government. Well, the yeah. Ethiopian government wants is trying to take control of the region back. Mm-hmm. So they sent in all of their officers, and they basically told them, rape away. So if you're a guy who's fighting on the front, and you know back home, your wife or daughters or 10-year-old daughters or 9-year-old daughters are possibly being raped, you eat, what do you do? You would leave. You would go mm-hmm. back. So on your way back, then you're killed. Also, if you're the army and you're raping and demoralizing all these women, you're either two things are happening. The younger girls are having their reproductive organs ruined by this rape. Older, The older women are getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So now you leave a community that's pregnant with the children of like the bad guys. Yeah, It's a horrible, horrible form of warfare. And the Nazis loved it. And so that's probably what happened. And on pro- in all probability, Andre watched the whole thing. So um, that happens uh, in 19. 19- so 1944, he starts going to school, mm-hmm. miserable, faints at school because he's starving. Also, yeah. he's tiny. All of not getting that kind of nutrients when you're little affects your growth. So he's small. Um, he's targeted by bullies. And his mom was constantly berating him and his younger sister. He really liked his younger sister. They were relatively close. He never mm-hmm. blamed her for her conception. And it doesn't seem like the mom did either. They, she hated them both pretty equally. Oh, okay. And so he was a good student. He was an avid reader. He was the only student on his collective farm that graduated from their, their version of high school. Mm-hmm. No one else did. It would have been incredibly hard to do, but he did. Um, he realized he was impotent very early. Do you guys what know what that mean? He couldn't get an erection. Oh, or there's some types of impotence where you can't get an erection at all. And there's other types where you can get one briefly, but you can't keep it. And he realized that in puberty. And I don't know about you because I'm a girl, but Austin's a boy. (laughs) And I don't think getting getting erections is a problem when you're starting puberty. Mm. No comment. (laughs) So he realized early that it was a problem, that he couldn't get one. And um, he hated himself. Like, so at 14, he hated himself. Um, He had girls his age who liked him and he liked them. He just didn't have the confidence Mm -hmm. to ask them out. So let's take a second to think about Andre Chikatilo's life. Damn. We're going to have a pause (laughs) for calm reflection. Born in the middle of the worst genocidal famine of like all time. (laughs) um, He has no food, eats leaves, invaded by the Nazis, watched his mom gets raped as a form of warfare. His dad goes off to war, uh, is tiny, miserable, is bullied, can't get an erection. That's the worst part. He's 14 years old. That's the worst part. Um, he's 14 years old. I want us to all pause for a sad reflection on the horrficness of this kid's upbringing. Well, now he's going to murder. Like, pause over. No people. more sympathy for this son of a bitch because <laughs> yeah. where he's, it's, it's downhill from here, Andre. Because lots of people have bad lives, but I don't know if people have those bad lives. <laughs> okay. So his first sort of 
reaching out. He was about 17 and he grabbed a friend of his 11 year old, like, sorry, he was at a friend's house and the 11 year old girl was just walking down the hall and he jumped her and he ejaculated on her. How? But they were fully dressed. It was like the rubbing sort of got him off. But how? He can't get. Oh, sorry. He could get them. He just couldn't keep them inside of anything, if you know what I'm saying. Ah. And so, like, he was, I should be more clear. He had no problem masturbating. But he couldn't actually keep an erection with a, with another person. Yeah. Weirdo. Yeah, was, that was Jeffrey Dahmer's issue, too. He could only keep an erection with a person who was dead. Well. So, like I said, viewer discretion is strongly advised, except it's listening discretion. Listening discretion is strongly advised. But he was able to rele- to achieve sexual release, like with just rubbing up against this 11-year-old girl. Ew. Yeah. So, he uh, applies for a scholarship. That was his first, like, sexual experience with another person. Mm-hmm. It was much against her will. Uh, he takes an exam for a scholarship for college. He passes the exam, but he doesn't get to go to the college. In in, in Russia, all the colleges are free. You just have to have, you know, the top X amount of people mm-hmm. get to go. Mm-hmm. So he passed the exam, but there were other people that did better on the test. So he didn't get to go to college. He moves to Kurok and he becomes a laborer and he's going to vocational school for a communications technician. I don't know what that is. I don't know what a communications technician is. To me, it sounds like a guy who can fix your phone. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's a real thing. I mean, I'm sure it's a real thing, but I don't know what it is. He gets a girlfriend at this point, and they date for a while. How long? They try. They date for 18 months. Oh, okay. But the first 15 months were kind of fine, and then she started wanting to have sex with him. And they tried three times, and he was not able to get an erection. Was the, uh, like the pills that you can buy in the gas station on a thing? No, those didn't exist then. No. Also, please do not take erection medicine that you buy from the gas <laughs> With like the rhino on it. Do not take that. So um, he, she breaks up with him. So in Russia, everybody had to complete a mandatory army service. It's still the case. I mean, women, men, everybody mm-hmm. in Russia has to. Actually, Israel, lots of. Wait, co- okay. A communications technician install and maintain wired or wireless networks for consumer and business communications. There we go. Pretty much what I said. Someone who knows how to fix your phone. <laughs> okay. So um, men, women, everybody has to take this mandatory army sentence mm-hmm. and while he's or sorry army service and it's not like they're at war he doesn't really see any action it's just everybody's responsibility yeah. like israel still does that lots of countries do mm-hmm. that and so he takes correspondence courses while he's doing it and he also becomes a member of the communist party at this point which and he becomes an avid member of the communist party in these days if you wanted to get ahead you had to become a you were a member of the communist party yeah and but he actually really believed it it wasn't just sort of thing he did to you know get a better mm-hmm. house listing so after he, the army he comes home he was perfectly fine in the army didn't have any wasn't like an exemplary soldier but certainly didn't do a bad job yeah he comes home he starts dating this young divorcee she not being like a young innocent virgin wants to have sex right off the bat and so well i mean you know within a few weeks of their dating just was yeah. an older woman and so um after three months, she breaks up with him, and after and she said they'd had several unsuccessful sex acts. And the woman asked a friend of hers for advice, like she'd never really had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she asked, "Is there anything I could do?" And that friend told a friend, and told a friend, and yeah. kind of like his entire peer group found out he couldn't keep it up, Damn. and he he was really humiliated by this. Like he he moved he moved he moved to a different town. Oh whoa! He was so embarrassed by it. So he gets a job as a communications engineer. 
And he gets an apartment. His sister comes to live with him. She lives with him for six months. Um, there, she, he likes his sister. Nothing, you know, bad mm-hmm. happens. She finds, she meets somebody and she gets married. And she says that she, he was fine. He went to work. The only problem she had, she saw that he had is he was super shy around women. Like just painfully shy around women. And he was lonely. She thought he, so she and her husband decided they were going to find him a girl. They were going to set him up. And they did. She sets him up with a woman named Theodosia Ordered. Or Ronachevo. Okay. Are we sure he didn't want to be with the boy? Well, we'll find. No, I know. I don't think he's gay. Oh. Like, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would identify as being gay at all. Okay. But that is I, I, honestly, if you're a young boy who's having a hard time getting an erection with a girl, you might want to think about possibly. You don't think so? Or you just have some problems. Or you have some problems. Actually, you probably should go to a doctor. Yeah. You're right. Don't listen to my advice at all. <laughs> just, oh, identity. okay. Well, that means I have to try it with a dude now. No, I, didn't say, <laughs> I didn't say try it. I said like, maybe there's other reasons. That's all I'm saying. Like, maybe you should think about it. It's on the rise for teenage boys. Impotence? Yeah. I heard, Yeah, because of their porn addiction. Yeah. Yep. That's a true story. Did I tell you that? No. Did you read that? Yeah. Teenage boys watch so much porn, not all teenage boys, like not Austin. Teenage boys watch so much porn that when they're actually in a relationship with an actual, like real looking 15 year old human girl, mm-hmm. they can't sustain an erection because their mind thinks that it should be like the weird porno sex, which yeah. is not real sex. I mean, they're really having <laughs> sex, but that's not really how sex is. This one's getting darker and dirtier. Yeah. There we go. Okay, so they arranged this marriage. And now here's the thing. He was attracted to her, but it was essentially arranged marriage. They got married two weeks after they met. Mm-hmm. And as far as everyone knows, and according to him, they never had sex. He was never able to actually have sex with her. She really wanted children. So what they decided to do was he would ejaculate and then he pushed the sperm into her with his fingers. Ew. That seems worse. It seems like it wouldn't work, but it did. They had two oh. kids that way. Whoa. They had a daughter in 1965 and a son in 1969. Couldn't you do that medically, though? Well, it's called artificial insemination, but I don't know that you could have done it in Soviet Russia in oh, 1963. I, uh-huh. I mean, you could have used a turkey baster. That'd be better than your fingers. <laughs> okay, so he gets a job as a teacher. He's not good at it. He has awful classroom management. He's so meek. The kids just run right over him. Mm-hmm. And this, and so this, um, this leads us to May of 1973. He's teaching, and this is the, one of the reasons I picked this story because I knew Austin would love this so much. This next part. Do you remember when we did Brock Turner, and you were so disappointed that he was called the Stanford swimming rapist because he went to Stanford and he swam, and, and he, not because he swam up to his victims? <laughs> yeah. Well, get on board, buddy. No because way. Because Andre Chicatello, his first assault victim, he swam up to him like a rapey <laughs> dolphin, and he assaulted her in the swimming pool. In a pool? Yeah, in a pool. Fondled her breast and rubbed... Wait, did he grab her from out of the pool and pull her in? No, he swam up to her. And they like, were in a pool. <laughs> and he grabbed her breast and rubbed against her and... Like, he, he, he assaulted her that way. While he was swimming? That seems kind of hard. I don't know about the mechanics of it. That That's how like it went Like a public down. pool? Uh, oh, he was a teacher. Sorry. He was a teacher. This was the school's pool. Lots of kids in Russia at this time went to state-run boarding schools. And that's he was teaching there. And that's was So it was pool. a little girl? Um, yeah, she was like 14. Oh, that's not that's as funny anymore. So much worse. Oh, actually, I was wrong. Sorry. She was 15. She was 15. Still Grabbed her bad. breast and ejaculated in the pool. Okay. So then a few months later, he locked another girl in his classroom. It doesn't say her age. And he sexually assaulted her essentially the same way. Just sort of like holding them down. And then while they struggled, he would yeah. 
he would have he would re- achieve sexual orgasm. Um, nothing happened to him. He was not disciplined for either of these cases. But they knew about it. Also, he wasn't disciplined for all the times teachers saw him following students around and masturbating. Wasn't disciplined for that either. Wait, 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 what? (laughs) Other teachers, grown-up teachers, would see him, like, following students around. Like, in the hallways? I don't know. I'm assuming kind of outside, or he'd be sitting at the lunch table. (laughs) I know. it's, 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 It's hard to wrap your brain around. Multiple occasions, fellow teachers saw him fond- maybe not masturbating, maybe fondling himself. There is a two different things: fondling himself while following students around, or sitting like on a park bench, fondling himself, watching kids play, that kind of thing. Still so bad. Not better. No, no, it's still awful. No, no, I didn't mean it was worse. I didn't mean it was better. I just, meant, I would, I just meant maybe without the penis out, you could write it off easier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like if he's sitting there exposed, you can't ignore what's happening. But if you're just walking by and he's just sort of rubbing himself, you could think he's gross I, i'm t- remember it's 1971 it's a whole different time than it was now you could think he's gross but maybe you wouldn't yeah say anything now 100 you would say something this is the 70s things were different then this is russia no one said anything to anybody so there are so many though complaints oh oh the other thing is one of his jobs he was supposed to be the one that checked on the dorm rooms to make sure everybody was asleep dorm rooms for little this, kids th- well this yeah it's kids like a boarding went, school it's a boarding school oh and kids went there like but in england they have tons of boarding schools that you go to when you're 11 mm-hmm. and i think this is somewhat the same thing and so but one of his jobs was to make sure everybody was in bed and there was tons of complaints because like he'd listen outside the door till he thought it sounded like the girls were undressing and he'd like burst in and then when they'd say anything he'd be like i'm just making sure you guys are going to bed <laughs> so there were finally so many complaints that the school finally stepped in and basically said that good old quit or you're going to be fired, Mm. which we've seen in so many other cases. So he quit and he immediately got a job at another school and um, called Shakti was the name of the word. And same exact things except take out the pool. Uh, Sorry, that was the name of the town. Take out the pool. Mm -hmm. And um, almost immediately there started being complaints against him for child molestation, both sexes. And, um, that school, he was only there for a few weeks, and that school said, you're done. But this school said something different, which is, we are going to put that you're a child molester on your teaching <laughs> application. And wow, so he's, even Russia does it. So We didn't. We still have schools that just move teachers around. But mm-hmm. um, Russia, the second school said, we're going to write on all of your applications that you're a child molester. Don't get a job as a teacher anymore. Yeah. And he didn't. That was, that was done. It was his last job as a teacher. He got a job as a supply clerk which involved lots of travel. He'd have to travel to like different communication things and then make sure they had like enough wire and that they didn't, he'd have to do orders, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. a lot of travel. In September of 1978, he commits his first murder. He kills nine-year-old Yelena Zakothnova. Mm -hmm. And he lures her into his house, his actual house, tries to rape her, is not able to keep an erection, stabs her instead, and he's able to ejaculate while stabbing her. Um, now, here's the thing that's interesting. There's lots of evidence against him. Um, there's blood, spots of blood mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. up to his house. Neighbors knew he was home that night. Like, they could see through the windows. Not the crime, but that he was home. Yeah. Um, her backpack was found near his house. And witnesses saw them together at the bus stop. Like, not witnesses that knew him, but witnesses that were able to give a description of the guy with the little girl at the bus stop that mm-hmm. looked exactly like him. So... Um, but here's the thing. He wasn't convicted. Oh, no, no. He wasn't even suspected oh. because he was a member of the Communist Party. Mm. Oh. And no communist 
party members are murderers. Yeah. So they start looking for like pedophiles, known sex offenders, Mm -hmm. homosexuals. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Oh, I didn't do my sources. Remind me at the end. Um, He really, they really, really wanted to, they really wanted to find a homosexual that did this. Like they were really, really desperate to find homosexual who was guilty. And so they find a man named Alexander Krichenko. He was not a homosexual, but he did have a previous arrest for rape and murder. He was on, he was on parole for Mm -hmm. that. Um, They found some blood on his wife's sweater which was the same type as the victim, but it was also the same type as his wife. And it was just the type. Russia was so far behind forensically, all they could do was type blood. Oh. So yeah, it's AB positive. That's all they knew. Like the the girl, the little girl was AB positive. Well, I could have AB positive. Yes. And, I, and clearly this guy's wife did. Yeah. yeah. And so they found blood in her sweater. This guy also had an airtight alibi. He was having dinner with his wife and two of her friends all night. The friends said it they had no reason to lie for him i Mm -hmm. I mean his wife said it he's the friends said it so they told the friends we're going to charge you both with murder your accessories we're going to kill you and the friends said oh actually we weren't there we don't know what you're talking about we don't know anything about it they beat the crap out of him they got a confession he confessed once he got out of being beaten up he he retracted his confession and said he hadn't done it but it didn't matter um they sentenced him to death he would he gets sentenced to death the judge this was communist Russia. We have to keep stressing that. The judge knew the whole thing was fishy. Like, yeah. So he commutes his sentence to 15 years to life, mm-hmm. uh-huh. hoping at some point maybe some more evidence will come forward that, to you know really find the guy who did it. But the family was so upset. There were so many protests. They finally said, okay, and they killed him by firing squad. Oh. Yep. Wow. So in September of 1981, 17-year-old Larissa Trucheko he lures her in from a bus stop. He has some vodka. He goes, let's go in the woods and do some relaxing. And he kills her. He shoves mud in her mouth so there's no screaming. Ugh. Um, He didn't have a knife for this one, so he just beat her to death. But then it was really unfulfilled, so he took a stick and he mutilated her body with a stick in his teeth. Um, He also bit off her nipples. Ew. Yeah. So then in June, 13-year-old, and I'm going to get to the point where I'm not going to describe the crimes anymore because we get to the point where they're all essentially the what same What do you thing. mean bit off? He bit it off with his teeth. Ew. Yeah. Bruh. What the hell? <laughs> so between, so and in June he, of 1982. Wait, did he eat them or did he just bite them off? And We're going to get to that. No, no, so no, So in June no, of 1982, <laughs> he kills 13-year-old Ludogov Burncook. Um, she was coming home from the market. He lured her into the woods, oh. stabbed her with two knives. Two? <laughs> two, like at the same time. So he's time. leveling up. <laughs> he, had, he remembered knives this time. Um, and then I literally wrote, which is why, this is why people are sometimes offended by our podcast. At this point, he was balls to the wall. Because he <laughs> was, it was over. Any any sort of, he's talked later, like he was trying not to do these things. Yeah. And after that second one, he just decided, eh, it got to be me. <laughs> so between... <laughs> Between July and September of 1982, he killed five victims between the ages of nine and 15. And I'm going to describe his MO, and then I don't need to do it again, because he literally Uh did the same thing every time. He would approach a person on public transportation, either waiting for the bus or waiting for a train. Uh He would figure out a way to lure them where he wanted to go. A lot of the people we're going to talk about are sex workers. It's obvious what he used. Sex workers, 9 to 15-year-old sex workers? Well, they're not all that age. No, those were just the ones he killed at this point, 9 to 18. But some of the older ones, women were sex workers, obviously how he lured them. Younger kids, he'd offer them toys, you know, different things. He'd figure out a way. He'd get them into the woods where he would every single time 
attempt to rape them. What we would call the traditional way. Yeah. When the that traditional way. When that wouldn't work, he would then stab them. And the stabbing motion is what made him have an orgasm, at which point he would then just go nuts in their body. Like, just... He, he, he ripped I'm, out... Okay, he, he would rip out intestines. He oh, liked to rip out their them. eyes. Wasn't mutilate like, them, yes. Okay. He would just mutilate, mutilate, mutilate. He loved to mutilate. But they were dead. Yeah, they were dead. Okay, that makes it better for I, the victim. I guess. Most of them were kids, sex workers, and runaways. Those were the ones that he was able to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let me... St- ripped out their eyes. He ripped out their eyes because he, there's an old Russian w- wives' tale that um, like their eyes were taking like pictures of their killer. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that too. And so at the beginning, he ripped up their eyes. Later on, he said after a while, he thought that's stupid. And he stopped doing that. Um, so, but here's the I thing. I that's a lot of work. People saw him. Like if a little girl goes missing from the bus station and she's being led off into the woods by a man. Yeah. People recognize that. People were putting out like, you know, we saw this guy. Let us describe him. And, and they were describing it. But there was just so much many problems with the investigation that all came down to communism really this yeah. is so by 1983 the government orders an investigation a forensic analysis named victor burakov now i'm going to take a pause because there's a movie on hbo an old movie i remember watching like years ago called citizen x which yeah. is about this story it is so good you can still watch it if you have hbo max mm-hmm. it's really 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 good it's how i heard about this guy but the guy that they hired the actor they hired to play burkoff is so amazing. His name is Stephen Ray. Mm-hmm. Anyway, great movie. You should watch it. And I got I got some ideas from that. Most of this is Wikipedia. But some of that I got from here. But because it's a movie, I'm not 100% sure how true it is. Oh, yeah. But because we don't really pride ourselves on the facts, we're more telling a story. Yeah. I went ahead and added the stuff I thought was interesting. <laughs> so um, they hired this guy, Victor Burakov, to lead the investigation. He's actually not um, an investigator. He's a forensics guy. But that's like it. better than just AB positive? Uh, slightly, but you can only be so good if you only have the technology. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he knew that he he was good enough to know they weren't very good. He was constantly saying, like, can we please get the United States for help? Can we please ask them to send us one of their machines? Mm-hmm. And communism is like, no. But the real issue was he was the one who immediately recognized this was one person. Uh-oh. Up until this point, they hadn't done it. And he was basically told, shut up. Serial killers are, 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 are an offset of capitalism. There oh. cannot be serial killers in communism. Find more people that did it. And he knew it wasn't. It was obvious. This, and also, another thing that's interesting is this guy wasn't really even trying to hide his M.O. There's only so many stabber, stabber, yeah. masturbators, and he was one of them. Mm-hmm. So um, this poor guy, Burkov, was really... <laughs> just watching the bodies come in and he was doing all the autopsies that he was the, he, the, you know, the forensics guy yeah. knowing there really wasn't much they could do. He couldn't really get anybody to help him. In June of 1983, Laura Starsky is killed in September of 1983, five more women are killed. And at this point, even Russia admitted, okay, it's one guy, Yeah. but they said, but there's no way he's in the communist party. So oh. it's one homosexual. You go find him. <laughs> and so they, they like are just, 
Anybody who'd ever been arrested for homosexuality, which was a crime then, was being taken down. If you didn't have an alibi, God help you. Every sex offender, they went to mental institutions. They were pulling people out of mental institutions. They went to they they had these giant um, schools for mentally handicapped people. They mm-hmm. were pulling them out, asking them to give their alibi. And the nurses are like, their alibi. He hasn't been out of here in fourteen years. <laughs> they were basically looking for any anything but the thing is what stupid places to look they refuse to acknowledge it's just a guy doing this it had to be a homosexual it had to be a pedophile well it sort of was it had to be a um a known pedophile sorry it had to be a a a crazy person Mm -hmm. and so it had to be a handicapped person so they were also for a long time convinced it was a satanic cult and the satanic cult was doing this for the organs. They just weren't really good at harvesting them, mm. which is why they chopped them up, bit them, and threw them back. We should do one on a satanic cult, a podcast. I, we can't. You know why? Because there's no such thing. Yes, there is. There has to be. I'm sure there's been cults, but there's no, there are no murders tied to satanic cults. That's what you think. It's called the satanic panic, and it's been proven a thousand times to be fakey, fake, fake, brought, made up by the news and Geraldo Rivera. Well. Okay, so... What they are getting is a ton of false confessions. Because if you're handicapped and someone's beating the crap out of you, you're going to admit to anything. So he made little effort to hide the body. So what would inevitably happen is a body would be there. Someone would, like a fisherman or something, would find it, call the cops. They'd find the body. And in the course of canvassing it, they'd find another older body with the same MO that had been there for like three or four months of someone who not, you know, like if a nine year old kid disappears, people are looking. Mm -hmm. If a 21 year old sex worker disappears, it's easier for her not Mm -hmm. to be noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, He used the same dumping grounds over and over again, went back to the same places over and over Uh. again. One time they went to find one person well, there was a body there. They found four more people in the woods. Oh, whoa. Whoa. So, I mean, uh, that were in various stages of decomposition. Um, And meanwhile, more sex workers are being killed. More children are being lured off trains. So that means he lured one person to a place with three dead bodies. Well, okay. So he'd lure one person to a place and kill him and then, you know, another part of the forest, but the same general area. Yeah, but like, what if they accidentally wandered in? Like, he didn't really understand where he was and he accidentally wandered. See, I think he he knew exactly where he was. I think he was very comfortable in those places. I think those were woods that he knew. This section of woods, I have a body over there and a body over there. I'll take her over here. So I I think he was, that's why he kept going back to the same spots, which is actually what a lot of killers do. Ted Bundy dumped a lot of bodies in the same spots. Yeah. Mm. And then he went back and visited them. What? Yeah, he'd go back to visit them. Wink, wink. Oh, And he'd man. put makeup on them and brush their hair while you could before it started to come out of its skull. And What? Yeah, I know. So in May of 1984, um, Tatiana Petros, she's a 10-year-old daughter. Oh, this is interesting. So this is happening. Same old thing. But in, the, in, in January and February, two women were killed. Uh-huh. Only and, two? Well... Or- well, that's are... one a month. Oh, okay. So, and in March, 10-year-old Dmitry Khrushchev was killed. That's the first boy. Oh. Mm. Um, he was a kid who collected stamps, and he was at the stamp booth at, like, the fair. Oh. Like, like, and the guy walked up to him and was talking to him about rare stamps. Like, I have rare stamps. You want to go see them? And this little 10-year-old stamp collector probably wearing the hats <laughs> they were back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, actually, it was 1984. He's probably wearing a baseball cap and a Michael Jackson jacket. Actually, no, it was communist Russia. He was probably wearing loafers <laughs> and brown pants with holes in the knees. And, like, overalls? And overalls, yeah. I think we're, he took him off to the woods and he killed him. But this is – there's a little discrepancy because they witnesses saw this kid. This kid was missed immediately. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. witnesses saw the guy go off with him, gave a great description. Also, they found a footprint by the body – and semen and saliva on the body. So now they have a semen. 
You think that would be good, huh? But Russia. I'll get to that. So uh, next, and then in May, uh, Tatiana Petrovas and her 10-year-old daughter were killed. And what's interesting about that is uh, Chikatila had known them for years. That, that, they, those were the only two people he ever killed that he knew. It's like he, so what made them, you know, what? I don't yeah. know, Chikatila. Why, why he killed them, no one mm-hmm. knows. You're still not getting to me whether or not he ate the nipples. So in s- July of 1984, three more young women were killed. Okay. Um, in August of 1984, 16-year-old Natalia Golosi was killed. That was August the 2nd she was killed. On August the 7th, 17-year-old was killed. Um, this th- She had lots of her body parts chopped off and mm-hmm. shoved inside other parts of her body parts. Um, and But in August of 21, so this is three in one month. He's escalating. Uh, uh, thank you. He's escalating. 11-year-old boy, he was strangled, castrated, and his eyes were gouged out. Mm. He was left in the exact same spot that he'd left 16-year-old Natalie Goloso a month later. So like by the river. He went to a river, mm-hmm. raped a girl. Or not, not raped her. I don't even know what we'd call what he's doing. Yeah. Um, killed her. And then a month later, he took another kid there and did it the same, same exact spot. Mm. Um, in September of 1984, he kills um, a young librarian. Okay. I don't know why I don't know. It didn't say her name. It just said killed a young librarian. So here, here's what happened. Let's, let's break it down at this point. Okay. He is escalating. He's killing three yeah. people a month. He's leaving their bodies. It's almost once a week essentially leaves their bodies and he's getting sloppier because he's just leaving them in the same spot you leave it in the same spots clear we have clear dumping grounds they're finding bodies in the same like three or four spots no one does like the detective comes back oh it's been a week now time to go and check on it and there's another body yeah exactly and they have um they have pictures of him they have witness statements they have drawings of him they know what he looks like generally i mm-hmm. mean those witness statements are never perfect but you know they have something yeah. No one knows a thing because Russia, the communist Russia, refuses to acknowledge that it's happening. So people don't know. People aren't told, don't let your kids ride the bus by themselves. Talk to your kid about this, you know, this sort of thing. Um, They don't do anything. No one in Russia says a thing. Mm -hmm. They know what he looks like and they know that he gets his people off public transportation and they don't announce it to anybody. So in 1984, an undercover detective sees Chikatilo approaching young women at a bus stop. Mm-hmm. The cop just happens to know, you know, oh, he just happens to be at the bus stop, like mm-hmm. in his car, and just sees it happening right in front of him. That doesn't mean anything. He could just be trying to pick her up. But yeah. but he just thinks it's interesting because she sort of, you know, rejects him. Then they, it's a guy and his partner. They watch him walk around town to all the bus stops and all the train stations. And he'd talk to somebody. And then as soon as they like, sort of like, whatever guy, and then turned away, he'd wait a second and then he'd go start talking to someone else. And they see him wander through the city, and I had to look up this word, um, trying to find someone. And then they see him doing lots of frauderism. And I had to look up frauderism that I didn't know what it means. It's a sexual thing where, like, a guy will walk up to a girl and just rub against her. And that happens all the damn time on public. I didn't know there was a word for it. Women always have had to deal with that. You're in line in the cafeteria, at like, in high school, and some guy just brushes up against you. And you, you turn around and then he says, sorry, just, you know, aha, it's like a funny joke. It happens on buses and public transportation with women all the time. It's getting better now. Like when I was in high school, if that did it, if you said anything, they'd be like, why are you being such a bitch about it? It was nothing. It's because it doesn't, it's not like he raped you. What are you talking about? Like just bumping into somebody? No, rubbing up against, like, oh, but it's okay. usually fast. It's a quick little 
like thrust or not even a thrust. That's the wrong word. But like a guy walks up and puts his pelvis against part of you oh, and rubs okay. and it's fast. It's not like, so then when you would say anything, they would, you're being so, you're, you're being, you know, so mean about it. It's not like he raped you, but it actually is a kind of sexual mm-hmm. deviant act. And they watched him like perform frauderism in public places all over the town. So finally they decide to arrest him and they do. They find he has an eight inch knife with him a bunch of rope and a lot of Vaseline. Sit on that for a second. Think about that. So they run his name and they see that he's actually under investigation for the theft at a former employer's. He'd, he'd stolen something and sort of just got That's all he's job. under investigation That's for. That's it. Theft. And they don't even have him. He wasn't even convicted of anything. They just think he might have. And I think it was something stupid like a rug. It was just rushing. You couldn't steal anything in those days. Yeah. So he looks a lot like the witness pictures that a lot of people have given him. Uh-huh. So they run his blood. He's type A. Remember they had blood samples from yeah. the other guy? The blood samples are A, B. Mm-hmm. So he's not the guy. They let him go. Ah. But what you need to remember is Russia was so far behind forensically. The blood samples they had were semen. Like they had semen samples and they'd gotten the blood type from the semen. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually have his actual blood sample. Oh. So, but still, there's also, and also again, no, no DNA profile or anything, just blood type. That's all they can do. Mm-hmm. And he, he's A and the, the bad guy's AB, so he gets discounted. Also, he's a member of the Communist Party. And as everybody knows, there's no way any communist was doing any of this. Fact. He is found guilty of theft and he gets one year in jail for the theft of whatever that thing is he stole at work. He gets mm-hmm. three months. So he gets out. And actually, he doesn't. He gets out in December of 1984, but he doesn't kill again till the following August. So he does take like oh, a nine month break. He said mm. at this tape, eight month break. Sorry, he says at this point he was trying really, really hard to not do it. Oh, like the arrest had sort of scared him. Like crap, I dodged a bullet. He has no idea why his blood type did not show up. Yeah. as the blood. Like he was mm-hmm. sure that was it. He was going. You know, that was it. He was caught. Yeah. And then it came out he wasn't caught. So he thinks this is like God offering him a second chance. I want to tell him God is not helping you. So then, Mm-mm. but it doesn't, he only lasts, guys like this can't stop. No. They can't. Yeah. So he kills 18-year-old Natalia Pokestova, and she is stabbed 38 times in the neck. In the oh. neck? How your neck is even hanging onto your head after 38 yeah. times. So the police are at their wit's end, and they bring in a psychiatrist to profile. This is the first time a psychiatrist has ever been able to profile anybody in Russia. They bring in a Russian psychiatrist who's had no training with Quantico or the FBI who invented <laughs> profiling. But actually, just from reading books like that they put out, mm-hmm. listen to what he comes up with. The the bad guy is between 45 and 50 years old. He had a painful, isolated childhood. He's incapable of flirting or courtship. He's probably educated. He's probably married and has probably fathered children. He's definitely impotent. He uses the knife as his penis. His work requires him to travel, and his murders will be tied to some sort of production travel schedule. What? No kidding. It's pretty good. It's 100% right. And what's interesting is the psychiatrist who wrote this did all of that. Like, he's basically a self-trained profiler. Just reading the books, he could manage to smuggle in because it's not like Russia let it, let them have American books. Yeah. Just from reading the books, but this is before the internet. Just reading books, he could smuggle in and working on on his own. Like he he t- taught himself to do this, and he was great. One hundred percent right. So for a year, he doesn't kill. Yeah. And everybody thinks they like that guy's moved around, and he finds he starts then they start finding bodies again, um, bodies that are split open, breasts are removed, oh. some of the. The removed breasts are left at the scene. Others they never see again. Um, he starts killing people away from home because he's going on these business trips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he starts killing people um, 
from between 19 and so basically between 1988 and 1990 he kills 13 people in various places along his work route mm-hmm. and still no one knows anything about it like he's no one's really the, the cops are looking for him as best they can with what limited resources they have okay then something extraordinary happens in russia glasnost do you guys know what glasnost is nope isn't that the night of broken glass no that's that's um that's what's that oh st- Stella, it is. You're thinking of Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht yeah. is a night of broken glass when the um, Nazis basically gathered up all the Jews and put them in ghettos. Yeah. No, Glasnost is a good thing. It's when the Russian government decided to pretty much get rid of the Communist Party. They're still communist, mm. but they started letting people have access to press. They started having other people come in. They started using like outside information. They basically, that's when you have like the, the Berlin Wall falling down. Mm. Like it was just oh. opening up Russia to other countries and for the first time they get a free press and for the first time they're willing to accept help from outside sources so the investigators are calling people in the united states they're sending them like new dna machines and Mm -hmm. and explaining to them how that all works and sending people from the united states government actually going to russia to teach them like this is what we're going to do this is what we do this is what we do you do blah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah but the biggest thing is there's a free press and when the free press the, the first time ever finds out that there's some raping, murdering killer who's been dozens and dozens of people over the course of not, you know, like 10 years, mm-hmm. they lost their minds. Like yeah. it was everywhere in the press. Mm-hmm. And it um, all of a sudden, the, they were demanding answers. They were demanding something to be done. And it, things, they started doing like real investigative techniques. And so this is what they did, which I think is such a great idea. They knew that he was taking them from train stations. Mm-hmm. Mostly. That was his some bus stations, but he really loved train stations. They took every cop they could find, like four hundred people, mm-hmm. and put them in their most like copy outfits. Like their most like your your dress, whatever whatever like a Halloween hat. costume. Oh, like you got like your a Halloween hat. costume. Yeah, your hat, your saber, your I don't really know what they wore, but whatever they wore, their most like obviously police thing. Yeah. And they put them in uh, they put them in all of the um the train stations except for three. And they told him, you roused the hell out of those train stations. Everybody who even looks sideways, you follow people into the bathroom, you ask for their papers, you make the biggest police presence possible, Mm -hmm. hoping that he would see that and would flush him over towards the ones that looked like there were no police, Mm -hmm. but really the police there were undercover. Oh. Is that a good idea? Yeah. It would take a huge amount of resources. And and it it sort of worked because... um, so at one of the places, the un, so there's three. Well, they didn't pl- just do this one night. They had to do this every single night for like months. Yes, yes. Well, not months. He was faster than that. But yes, exactly. This wasn't like well, not this Wednesday. It was. It would have had to be every day. Wow. And also, the sad thing is, at this time, this is when Russia was trying to get rid of that idea that we bust people and beat them up and then ask for their papers. Yeah. So after like a month of like. Nice police. All of a sudden, like, no, we want old school Russian police. We want, like, you slapping people that don't have their papers. <laughs> so um, so while this, 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 this snare is going on, they do find a body at one of the, un, you know, one of the undercover police sta- um, train stations. Mm-hmm. But that had been there 10 days before it started. And while it's going on, a 16-year-old boy is lured from one of the, poli- the train stations and killed. Oh. Yeah. One of the police train stations? One of the undercover ones. Bruh. But, I mean, those guys are doing their best. You can't stop everybody. 
but why isn't there just one guy just looking, like, staying there and just looking, not following people away from the well, train the tra- station? I, I think they are. F- well, I don't know. It, they did their best. But it, listen, on November 16th, 1990, he killed 22-year-old Svetlana Korosix. So here's the thing. He wasn't seen luring her into the woods where he killed her, mm-hmm. but the undercover officer did see him coming out of the woods. Oh. Mm. And so he walked up to him and he was talking to him because... Um, and he was asking him, and he noticed that he had grass stains, grass and soil stains on the elbows of his jacket. Mm-hmm. And he had a small red smear on his cheek, and he had a terrible wound on his finger. And the only reason people went into the woods there was to hunt for mushrooms. And he didn't look like a mushroom hunter. Mm-hmm. He was wearing nicer clothes. And also, he didn't have his little mushroom bag. He had a like a nylon. We like actual mushrooms? Yeah. Mushrooms. Like shrooms or mushrooms? No, no, real mushrooms that you'd put in like your spaghetti sauce. Oh, okay. Like you guys don't eat those because they're not, we don't know what we're doing, but like real hunters for mushrooms can find like the best, most delicate mushrooms in the woods. Oh. Don't eat them though. A lot of them are poison. These people know what they're doing. So listeners, do not eat mushrooms you find in the woods. Do you know when I was a kid? Mm -hmm. Oh, you told me this. Where I grew up. Um, there was this field that was filled with mushrooms and they were super poisonous. Mm-hmm. We all knew that. I mean, yeah. they're like the little, they're there everywhere. But every, we had a lot of uh, people that came to our neighborhood from other like immigrants. Yeah. Every single year a family would, would die because they a would. A family? Because think about it. You would go out into the field and it was like the whole field was filled with mushrooms. You would just, yeah. there was mushrooms in the field. You'd notice the mushrooms. They looked, I guess we, it was usually a family from the Philippines because the mushrooms looked a lot like much really common edible mushrooms in the Philippines. Yeah. So they would see them. They'd take them home. They'd put them in a soup or a spaghetti or something and everybody would eat it and the whole family would die. It happened like every other year when I was a kid. Whoa. Yeah. Don't eat strange mushrooms. But the guy didn't believe his story anyway because he had a nylon bag and everybody knows you keep your mushrooms in little baskets so that they can breathe. And so... um. You don't want him to get mushy, slimy. Yeah. And but he also remember this was new policing. You weren't supposed to just beat somebody up and look in their bag, so he mm-hmm. didn't. Um, but he did make he let him go. But he made the a note of it. He looked at his papers. He wrote his name down. He he remembered him. He was mm. memorable. So then two days later, when they found the body mm-hmm. of the guy in the woods, that cop immediately knew this guy. This is yeah. you really need to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So they bring him in and they run his name and they realize that he had sexual um, sexual assault charges against him as a teacher, which hadn't shown up the first time because that was before Glasnost. Mm-hmm. So he's being protected. Like those things weren't on his record because yeah. he was a communist. Now yeah. they are on his record. And also that um, he had been called in before for the same crime. He'd been a suspect a few years earlier. And they also got his work records and realized that all of the out-of-town murders were all about, you know, they matched. The mm-hmm. dates matched. Everything matched. They put him under surveillance. And they, the cops are sure this is their guy. They've got him. So they, But they want to catch him doing something. So they start surveilling him. They see him approaching lots of tr- of people on trains and buses. Mm-hmm. And remember how we say, like, well, how's he luring into the woods? What's interesting is this was almost a full-time job because he would have to approach, like, 100 people for one yes. It wasn't like uh, everybody he went up to came with him. During both surveillances, They both he was surveilled once by that one group of cops and mm-hmm. then this group, they both said they saw him approach lots of people who uh-huh. did not go off to the woods yeah. with him. And so they see him go. They watch him all day. Doesn't really work. They see him go to his house. He comes out with a large jar of beer. Mm-hmm. I guess that was a thing in Russia, beer in a jar. But by a jar, I mean like a big jar of beer. Yeah. Okay. Like bigger than a mason jar, like a pickle jar of beer. Okay. And they see him walking around mm-hmm. and they think he's going to go find someone. 
mm-hmm. and lure them. Let's go in the woods and drink my beer. And they decide they can't risk it, so they arrest him. Mm-hmm. He is arrested. They do a strip search. He has a human bite on his finger that's gotten infected. And he also has another broken finger. And the guy he killed, the last one, was was a decent-sized guy. He, mm-hmm. he picked women or little kids. This was like, a, a, you know, what was he, 17? But he was a full-grown 17-year-old guy. He put up a fight. Mm-hmm. He had, like, bruises. and yeah. Chipotillo had, like, you know, yeah. signs of a struggle, basically. Mm-hmm. He was blood type A, which did not match their blood type. But remember, now they had new stuff. Yeah. And they never really had a blood type. They had a seam, blood type from a semen. So they got a semen sample from him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out his body was blood type A, but his semen was AB. Nobody even knew that could be a thing. Mm. So it's completely random. What are the chances huh. that he's yeah. this guy? And this is also, he also has this weird genetic um, that almost helps hide him. But it does. He denied everything. Mm-hmm. He said this was all just because he was a communist and blah, blah, blah. And um, so they bring in the psychiatrist who'd written that original report about him. And they asked that psychiatrist to read it. Within two hours, Chikatilo was sobbing uncontrollably and confesses to the whole thing. Oh, wow. Huh. He was so moved that the psychiatrist really saw him, like really <laughs> understood him. And so he confessed. He was linked to 36 murders. He confessed to 34 of them, and he said he basically stabbed until he, was, like, once he got the body, he would stab as long as it took to get sexual release. That's why some people were stabbed 56 times and other people were stabbed, like, 18 times. Yeah. That he used to pull off their eyes because of the uh, Russian folk story, but decided to stop doing that. When they asked him why they chopped him up, like, why'd you chop him up? Then he said he just liked it. He liked to bathe in, like... Not bathe because he never really was covered in blood. He was really good at avoiding like blood. He would like roll up his sleeves. He just liked to handle it. Like, and so he said he would like to chop out the tongue and then he'd run around the body holding the tongue. Um, he said he did not drink the blood. He was adamant he didn't drink the blood. But he said sometimes it got in his mouth and it didn't really bother him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he didn't identify as a cannibal. But he did it because he didn't eat anything, but he did like oh. to chew on the stuff. No. So he liked to chew on women's uteruses. Ew. He didn't actually, in his defense, he says that he was not a cannibal. He never swallowed them. But he says that he would just chew on them. Mm-hmm. And um, he did say accidentally there were a few times when he did swallow some nipples by mistake. But uh, he said uh, that that was not <laughs> No, no, no way. That's, think about it, Austin. What if you got off on rolling around in kiddie pools full of jelly beans? You don't want to eat the jelly beans. You just like to feel them against your skin and roll around in them. If the occasional jelly bean goes in your mouth, that doesn't make you a jelly bean eater. That's just the price you have to pay for wanting to bathe in jelly beans. No, different, <laughs> different, different, different. That was his argument. He said one time he swallowed someone's tongue. Like he liked to take bites out of their tongue and like chew them, but he didn't want to eat them. He'd spit them out. He says there were a few times when he accidentally swallowed some of them. He still liked the flavor of it though. The whole thing is just he so would, weird. He still liked the way that they would taste though. You just never actually swallowed it. Because you only taste stuff when it's in your mouth. You don't taste it as it goes down your throat. So he still liked the flavor of a uterus. He just never swallowed it. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing with you. Good point. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing with you. So he also started confessing to crimes that weren't even linked to him. Most of them had been the ones when he was out of town on like his travel route. Mm-hmm. All in all, he confessed to killing 56 people. 56? Yeah, 56 people. And he was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was able to leave them to dump sites where they didn't even know there were bodies. So this was the guy. Like mm. he knew where the bodies were. 56. Goes to trial. And this is where I learned something about myself. When we tell these stories, I spend, I'm, I'll tell you every little bit of nuance of his childhood 
God, I'm bored with trials. Me too. I, I'm I, so boring. I just sort of skip through the trials unless something interesting happens. Like last week, um, Kenny Kim's brushing away his mom's hair on trial <laughs> and holding hands. That's interesting. Yeah. All of the motions and not motions and defenses. Mm-hmm. No, no, they're not. I could tell. So the less. trial, I'm sure, was way longer than I'm saying, but I'm going to get the most interesting parts. One of the things, first of all, it took two full days to read the indictments. There were so many charges against him. It took two business days to just physically read them. Whoa. This was also the first trial ever that was like a media frenzy in Russia. Mm-hmm. They never had this kind of thing before, like a trial like this. So it was everywhere. He was his entire trial. He was kept in a cage, for his, <laughs> like literally like a giant cage for his own protection. They were very worried that family members like the media had everybody so worked up uh-huh. yeah. that we're going to just burst into the trial and just like kill him, just kill him. So they kept him in a cage. The judge was judge. His name was Judge Aku. Bursanov? Aku Bursanov. Let's go with that. He yelled at Chikatilo all the time during trial. Like, Chikatilo would do something and, like, I just do these things because of my mom. And the judge would say, shut up, you're not crazy. That's what the judge said to him. <laughs> and then later on, if, um, like, he'd say something and, like, the, pro- you know, the prosecutor would say objection. The judge would say, oh, you're right. He'd look at Chile and goes, shut your mouth. <laughs> So um, I just thought that was hysterical, only in Russia. But my favorite is, I think I do these things because, you know, I had to eat grass when I was a kid. Shut up. You're not crazy. We all ate grass. <laughs> that kind of thing. So um, Chikatilo was completely uncooperative during the crime. He yelled over the judge. He'd give these long speeches. He was always whipping his penis out like, just to, like, show it about. Um, he would just stand up and sing Communist Party songs. And then that's what I wrote. I'm just bored with trials in general. He did recant, recant his confession. He said it was pulled out of him, but he knew where his bodies were hidden that hadn't even been tied to him. Yeah. So obviously mm-hmm. he did it. Um, he also said some of the things the people I confessed to, I didn't actually kill. So the confession can't count. But there's other people that aren't in there that I did kill. So you should include those. So just random ass, you know, like it's just babbling essentially. What? Like I didn't kill all these people, but I've killed extra people you don't know about. <laughs> like just like rambles, bamble, babbles. Um, so at one point in the trial, he just flat out refused to talk for two weeks. Just sat there jerking. His, <laughs> really? what's, what's, what's a polite expression for mass? I guess I could just say masturbation. Just sat there like fondling himself and masturbating and they'd have to take him out. So that's the thing. As soon as he whipped his penis out, they'd have to, he'd have yeah. to be escorted from the, the, the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where he wouldn't, st- he, I, I don't think he was doing that part like as a compulsion. I think he was just wanted out of courtroom. <laughs> and he out. realized like, you know, a toddler at my school, we have little kids who don't want to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. As soon as their parents like don't make them go to school that day, guess who just won that battle? The kid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was the same way. Like as soon as they stopped the trial because he wouldn't stop jerking off, he won. Well, after like two, he refused to talk. Yeah. And he refused to stop jerking off. They just kept going without him. Like the, trial, the judge <laughs> is like, I'm done with this. We're going. Keep going. And so it just started happening. And guess what? He stopped doing it. Like he stopped like just like once he knew it wasn't gonna help anyway. Yeah. He yeah. came back into trial, refused to talk, except when he was given a chance to talk. Like, okay, we're about to do, you know, yeah. the jury's about to leave. Here's your chance. He was like, I don't have anything to say. So in October fifteenth of nineteen ninety one, he was found guilty. He was sentenced to death. And in February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, nineteen ninety four, he was taken to a soundproof room. Just nothing but a room with a with a slightly sloped to the center floor and a big old drain in the middle of it. Okay. Because they walk they walk you up towards the drain, and they shoot him. In, they shot him in the back of the head. Death by firing squad. That drain is so the blood can run down 
it makes it easier for the custodians to clean. <laughs> oh my god! But did yeah. he know he was going to die? Oh yeah, he absolutely knew. He was it was death sentence. He was executed. He was oh. being executed. Yeah, he knew. Though actually, I don't think he knew that day. According to the great movie Citizen X, I don't know how true it is. They told him they had to clean out his cell. In Russia, oh. they don't have to be. They don't like nowadays. You couldn't get away with that. You couldn't trick somebody into walking to the electric <laughs> chair. But Russia. You know, whatever, man. We got to clean out your cell. Keep him calm. Mm-hmm. And then they walk him into the room. You would think as soon as he walked in the room with a drain, he would know, it's not looking good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he was executed. 56 people. Plus that, some extra that we don't know about. Or Yes. Y- yeah, maybe. Who knows? That's the story of the non-cannibal. Mm-hmm. Was not a cannibal. Andre Chikatilo. Do you guys have any thoughts? No. Mm-mm. Did you learn any lessons in spite of yourself? No. Don't go with people, but that's not really like I've already yeah, knew don't, that. Yeah, don't don't go with strangers. That's ever. not really a new lesson, though. Oh, you no. gotta use a basket to get mushrooms so they don't get slimy and gross. True. Yes. <laughs> when you go mush, good good lesson, Austin. Mm-hmm. When you go mushroom collecting, you needed to use a well vented receptacle, not a nylon bag. You're a hundred percent right. Hmm. Also, I've learned that artificial insemination doesn't have to happen in a sterile office of your doctor. So you don't have to pay that much money. Nope. It could be so much free if you're infertile on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. As soon as Austin and Felicity are done with their various sports, we'll be back next winter for season three. And we hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. Bye.